I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi there and welcome to the New Health Club podcast. Psychedelics are experiencing a renaissance these days, developing into a tool to help us go through life. But what are LSD, magic mushrooms, psilocybin, MDMA or ketamine are exactly doing for our mental health, personal progress or even optimization? Will they change our lifestyles and lives forever? I'm sure they will. On the new Health Club podcast, I talk to real innovators, leaders and disruptors from the emerging world of psychedelics. Enjoy. This podcast deals with drugs. Drugs are dangerous. Furthermore, the use and or trade of drugs can be punishable by law. Please keep this in mind. This podcast is not suitable for people under the age of 18. Our first guest for the New Health Club podcast is Christian Angermeyer, founder of Appearin Investment Group and the biotech company Atai Life Science. He's one of the driving forces in a new psychedelic world if it comes to investing and connecting investors with scientists. Christian is passionate about psychedelics in a way that is really inspiring to me, and I like the way he talks about the new use of psychedelics. In this episode, the two of us talk investment in psychedelics about Aristoteles and how he used psychedelic potions to write, and why the author of How to Change Your Mind, Michael Pollan, started a movement in the right direction, which means how our lives can be changed by these new compounds if we start to engage with them. So enjoy this episode, please, and I see you soon. Okay, so we're here with Christian Angermeyer. Hello. Venture capitalist. Indeed. An investor. And investor. Um, company called Atai, uh, should we name it? Yes, so we, if yeah. we talk about psychedelics, what yeah. I think is the sense of uh, the podcast, it's called Atai. Yeah. Uh, my holding is called Apiron. Shall I give a brief background? Yes, yeah, um, please, yeah, it would be great. Very quick, I'm an entrepreneur and investor of something in between since I'm 20. I co-started a biotech company, so actually, so my life comes uh, full circle doing now more in biotech again. Um, I co-started a biotech company, which was originally called uh, Ribopharma. Uh, today is called Alnylam. We invented something which is called RNAi technology, which is pretty cool, actually. So that was the start of my entrepreneurial life. And since then, I'm investing in mainly biotech, fintech and crypto, and what I call deep tech, which is uh, everything from space tech, artificial intelligence, cybersecurity, and a little bit of investments uh, in the creative industry and entertainment. Uh, and a little bit to have a conservative edge uh, in real estate. Okay, so that's the, the conservative edge, okay. <laughs> exactly, real estate is the, the conservative part. Okay, but you are at the moment the main, uh, you could say like the most prominent investor in psychedelic research. 
Yes. And so why is everybody talking or starts to talk about psychedelics now? Well, the good question is why now? So that's yeah. and it's, the answer is is longer. So so in in a really uh, true meaning of the world, so a word uh, psychedelics are experiencing a, a renaissance, uh, meaning they have been very popular. Actually, they have been very popular for thousands of years in many religions, uh, and we actually have forgotten um, the basis of many religions, uh, which is rooted in psychedelic experiences of their founders. It's actually very interesting that uh, Shiite Islam just uh, announced a ruling that they endorse psychedelics, especially magic mushrooms, because uh, some scholars think this is what uh, Mohammed took to communicate with the angel. Wow. So actually, in many religions, if you really dig deep, they, you can really, and not just by assumption, but really you can scientifically prove their origin that the founders of the religion have had spiritual experiences on psychedelics. Um, so it was used in thousands of years, and then let's say the first modern revival or modern coming was um, was in the 50s and 60s. Yeah, mm -hmm. There's the famous Albert Hoffman, who actually by accident synthesized uh, or, or created LSD, but who was also working with uh, psilocybin, which is the active uh, ingredient in magic mushrooms. Um, and interestingly, it was, and that's the point where then my work starts, it was back then a medical treatment for depression and for other mental health illnesses, but mainly for depression in the 50s and 60s. And um, sort of the hippie community with, with which psychedelics are at the, in, in, in pop history or pop culture associated, they sort of took it outside of hospitals, but it was mainly, it was a treatment. And then unfortunately, which is actually one I think of the very sort of bad examples of political political plotting, the, the Nixon government wanted to, to find a way to push back on the hippie generation against, who went against the Vietnam War. And they actually invented a smear campaign and said, oh, look, these hippies are taking bad drugs. And actually, they took the good ones. <laughs> look at them. They must be crazy. And because they're crazy, them going against the Vietnam War is, is crazy. So, and this is actually when all these drugs became all of the, the bad reputation. Yeah, um, so actually the smear campaign, unfortunately, was successful. One reason I think why it could happen that they were so much vilified was that back then depression was not, was not a, a big problem. So for two reasons... And we can maybe, I don't want to do a too long of a monologue, but like, no, no, that's uh, interesting. Um, the, I think back then, depression, really less people than today had depression. Mm -hmm. So that's another point we should talk about. Like, but depression is on the rise because the world we live in is not healthy for our mind. But also, actually, the people who had depression back then were not properly diagnosed. Mm -hmm. So actually, it's for the English speaking, it's hard to translate, but like, There are, interestingly, a lot of words in German which sort of mask depression. Oh, they had Herzschmerz, which is mm -hmm. in English, yeah. heart heartache. pain, yeah, heartache, heartache yeah. Uh, or melancholia, melancholy, whatever. Like, so, so people were actually, it was so stigmatized that it was also not diagnosed. So short version, in the 50s and 60s, yeah, depression was 
was not as well diagnosed as it is today. Yeah? And at the same time, I think less people indeed had depression, which uh, led to that practically there was not such a big need for the drug. So it got forgotten. And if you look at the world today, we have one billion people worldwide diagnosed with one or more uh, mental health issues. The four big ones are depression, anxiety, PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, and, um, uh, and opioid, or in general addiction, mainly opioid mm-hmm. and heroin addiction. Yeah, so we have this huge mental health problem, um, which is one of the reasons why worldwide politicians, regulators, and actually especially scientists are like, wait a moment, there was something which was a very, very promising uh, tool, so tool basically. solution. Yeah. yeah, we should talk about if it wouldn't make sense to bring it back, and now is the important point, into the medical world, yeah, as a solution, as a potential treatment regime for various forms of mental health. So, so that's the sort of, I think that's the, the momentum worldwide. And I was very lucky um, because I sort of, Sometimes you need, and I very believe that it's always about the right timing, the right idea, but the right, the right idea needs to come at the right timing. And I, I'm personally very, I don't want to say anti-drugs, but I was very blessed because I was always very happy. I was a very happy child. And, yeah, and, uh, and I always thought, okay, I'm, I'm easy learning in school. I'm easy... Uh, Yeah, so why risk it? So I decided in a very young age, although I'm from Bavaria, where beer is sort of the, the, um, the main nutrition, um, I decided in a very young age to not ever drink alcohol. And I oh. made it actually till now. So, mm-hmm. so I have never drank alcohol. I have never smoked a joint. I have never smoked a cigarette. I've never taken anything else. Friends would maybe say I'm a hypochondriac. But... Um, a very, very close friend who, if he's listening, I thank very much for this, um, uh, pushed me on the science of psychedelics. It took me a year. I read all the science because I invest in biotech. I, I was very interested. And then actually uh, emphasizing in a place where it was legal, in the Caribbean, I had a, I had a magic mushroom trip. And it was uh, extremely powerful. It was, I would say, the single most meaningful thing um, I've done in my whole life, full stop. Nothing really comes close to the, to the joyfulness, to the, or to the, to the meaning that trip gave me. So, and I was immediately the next day, I was like, if this, um, if this level of positivity, uh, if, if, if the trip is giving this level of positivity to me as a, as a healthy person, how, what a powerful tool can it be for for the for depressive people or for people who, who really need it yeah uh, and that was sort of the start of uh, as you mentioned the name of the company Atai mm-hmm. um, which is a platform company a biotech company where we develop various psychedelic drugs um, and also actually non-psychedelic drugs so our headline is mental health mm-hmm. yeah but a lot of them the drugs we're developing are psychedelic drugs or forms new forms of psychedelic drugs Yeah, which we develop with the aim to bring it back into the legal realm. Yeah, but important, and I said this before, but as a, as a medical treatment. So our belief is uh, that these drugs are very powerful. Yeah, they have a very uh, big potential, but they also, 
it's not a party drug. So I know that you know, maybe I, yeah, we talked about that before with Anne, like I, there is Burning Man, whatever, but I actually don't believe that these drugs are for recreational no, um, party consume. Yeah, yeah um, they, they have to be taken. By the way, what they have been for thousands of years, they were always used by, in, in ceremonial religious setting, Yeah, with a guide and in our world where we live today, this will be a doctor, a psychotherapist, yeah, under supervision, yeah, um, in order actually to get also the maximum healing. It's a it's a very interesting drug where or a group of drugs where the set and setting and the professional therapist uh, accompanying the patient on the on the trip makes an important part uh, of the healing process. Mm -hmm. So I mean, since I did a Macrodose with a therapist this year. I totally agree on, on the experience. But I think a lot of people, I feel in the recent past, they're super interested in this. Especially, I mean, either if they experience depression or even if they experience like big life questions that they would like to answer but can't just with a therapist. So, I mean, what do you say if people say, well, I would like to do it, but I'm super scared? what happened what will happen to my brain and i mean again like the the openness i think since you talked about depression i think the number now is 322 million yeah for depression alone yeah for so, depression yeah. alone i mean yeah. and it's probably just not even like the real number so um i think at the moment i feel like a lot of people are totally looking for different tools to treat either life questions journeys where they go on want to go on or depression but it feels like there's a, a little bit of a kind of a moment where they just have to push themselves to really try to do new things so what would you tell somebody who's like well i'm interested and um but I, i'm super scared to do it well sure because you mentioned microdosing so just want to mention that i'm i'm a very scientific person so that's my day job is investing in biotech companies uh, looking at the data and also making sure that a drug is is properly introduced via in america it's the fda mm -hmm. um, and in europe it's the ema european medical agency yeah and there is a process so important for microdosing is it's it's a very under or researched field. So we don't, microdosing is a very new trend. I know a lot of people do it. Um, as I just learned from you, uh, Brad Pitt is Brad, doing it. Brad Pitt too. is doing it. <laughs> However, yeah, we don't know a lot about it. So there have not been a lot of studies about microdosing. So I would not recommend it. Yeah. Because we don't know about it in general. Like, yeah, I think it's important to, uh, to not go, I think, I'm very optimistic on a group of drugs, but we shouldn't go too fast, but like step by step and, and, and really make sure because at the end, when I'm convinced or I am convinced um, that uh, they will be approved. Yeah. The, the goal is to, to give this 1 billion people, as you said, 322, I think is the number for depression and then some hundred for anxiety mm. yeah, to give those people, all of them access, not just, A small group of people in mm. Silicon Valley mm. yeah, microdosing exactly. now. So that's the one. So let's be scientific. So on the scientific side, um, uh, uh, one of my companies is um, is already in phase two, which is actually in biotech terms pretty advanced. Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, with uh, psilocybin, and then uh, another organization uh, which I'm supporting, uh, which is called Maps, 
Mm-hmm. Um, it's a non-profit. Uh, they're already in phase three with MDMA for PDST. Well, it's basically uh, just to, for everybody to know, it's the most important um, non-profit organization, yes. right? Yeah. If it comes to so psychedelics. for all the listeners, yeah. yeah, if you want to support it, yeah, go on the website. Yeah. It's worth it. Um, so we're, we're shortly there, yeah. Um, but that means that it's not a, none of these drugs is approved yet. So in the Western world, those drugs are uh, most of them are so-called Schedule One drugs. That means they're illegal. Yeah. So that means also it's very hard today um, to um, access it in a professional therapeutic way. Yeah. There are clinics in, for example, Mexico. So so most of these drugs are. Not legal, not illegal. They are not recognized because they are, uh, or they are falling in some of these countries in, in Latin American countries under the religious privilege. Yeah, so there are good facilities in those countries. There are facilities in the Netherlands. Yeah, um, uh, but unfortunately, sorry for that long answer, is yeah. that it's not easy today um, for depressive people. Uh, but they definitely, yeah, if somebody wants to go that way, yeah, you need a therapist. So you need to go to one of the countries where it's possible. Yeah, we are as a Thai, yeah, and as the same for Maps, yeah, because we see the need. Yeah, um, we are really hurrying up, but the process takes mm. time because it's a formal, uh, mm. a formal approval process. And I mean, like, um, so what? A lot of people actually who are suffering treatment-resistant depression. I mean. They did maybe therapy for like 20 years and then they tried antidepressants, which are mostly very harmful for your brain. I mean, it's what I yeah. learned in the last um, months reading about this. So, I mean, of course, what they would ask you immediately is like, do you think that psychedelics would be at one point replacing the old so-called SR, SRSR? SR, what's it called? SSRIs. Yes. And benzos. Yeah. I do think so. I think all these drugs are horrible. I know that at the moment, for people that might be better than nothing, there are initial studies which but indicate that actually continuous use of SSRIs and benzos makes it actually worse. They definitely make you addicted. They don't make people really wholesome. Like, it's like... I think all these sort of hardcore at the which actually shows that the the world actually in mental health went the wrong way. Yeah, so mm-hmm. that's the the mm-hmm. sad part of the story which we're trying to correct uh, is um, that I think out of a mixture of not understanding the brain, we also have to say uh, uh, there are various reasons. We a little bit uh, talked about that before why it's possible now, and I think it's possible now because a the problem is so big mm-hmm. that. All the stakeholders, politicians, health insurers, uh, regulators are open to look for new alternatives. Second, although it has nothing to do with uh, cannabis in terms of scientifically, but the, um, the renaissance of the cannabis industry, yeah, which became legal in, in, mm-hmm. in a lot of countries and a lot of American states, showed the world that it's actually possible to bring a formally vilified drug back into the legal world yeah and cannabis does also mm-hmm. have some some medical uh, upsides um, and uh, and then most important though the understanding of our brain literally within the last five years has changed so we do understand now way better than 30 years ago 
what's actually happening when people have depression and what's happening when you take psychedelics or benzos or SSRIs. And, and the outcome is that actually the treatment options we have at the moment legally available are very bad. Yeah, while, as said, the psychedelic um, uh, uh, group of, of drugs uh, might be a very valuable uh, treatment uh, alternative. And I mean, um, it seems like the... I mean, if you look at it a little bit from a meta, but even though, yeah, no, no, just no. because I'm, I'm really, I'm, um, if you are, because I was thinking like, what can I say now on a podcast if somebody's yeah. listening and, um, and and might have depression, um, which so, a lot of people, yeah. Do. So first of all, yeah. it's, I think it's important because that became a big part of my my uh, my time uh, is that we should stop stigmatizing it. Yeah, mm -hmm. so. If somebody has depression or anxiety or whatever, so don't feel ashamed of it and talk to people. I think it's already the best. I, I, we can talk in a second about my, my sort of spiritual view on it. But like, I think it's important to, to, to sort of talk to people and not, uh, Germany would say, eat it up or, or yeah. keep it inside, keep it inside uh, of yeah. you. Mm -hmm. um, the second thing, that's now the good news. There is one... I would say it's sort of some people we do like we 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 um, uh, we um, count it to psychedelics. Some people say it's sort of real psychedelic, but it's psychedelic near. But there is one drug which is approved already, um, which is ketamine, mm -hmm. um, uh, which is a very funny story because ketamine is approved since decades in Germany, in America, really? everywhere. Ketamine is a very ketamine is actually a good example because ketamine is a drug which is legal in a hospital. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's actually a very good um, uh, anesthetic drug. So it's, uh, it's tranquilizing you and in a high dose, yeah, you pass out and can operate on you. Um, it's illegal if you take it outside the hospital. Uh, the hospital. So um, regular party goer will know it as special K. Yeah, but it's the same yeah. drug, yeah. yeah. Which isn't, yeah. And this is actually what we hope as an example psychedelics will be. Yeah, we are not thinking they should be broadly legal for one reason, because they're so powerful that you need a therapist. So like ketamine, we hope they will be legal one day in a hospital, in a clinic with a therapist, yeah, but still illegal outside of the hospital. So ketamine is legal today uh, in hospitals, um, but it was used actually for, for um, uh, tranquilizing and sedating people. And then they sort of anecdotally found out Because it's especially used in emergency rooms, mm -hmm. uh, because also the um, the cross um, how do you say um, uh, it has it has it has almost it is is the toxicity is very low, so it's, mm -hmm. it's practically impossible to overdose on ketamine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, um, you might sleep very long and pass out, and then things can happen. So yeah, the same by the way with psychedelics, the, the accident risk is the problem. So you need somebody who's guiding you. Yeah. But like uh, the toxicity level is very low. And um, um, so they found out, and it's used in emergency rooms especially, because it doesn't interact a lot with other drugs. So there is no risk that if you take drug B and then mm -hmm, you take yeah. ketamine. So, so it's, very, it's very safe in hospitals. So it was used, it's used a lot in emergency rooms to sedate people. Yeah? And anecdotally, doctors starting telling each other, oh, that's strange. Somebody who tried to kill himself or herself because of depression actually the next day they were fine and were like, oh, I don't understand it. Actually, life is great. So anecdotally, it started over and this is how it tripled into the, 
the the the, the consciousness or the uh, the awareness that ketamine has a strong immediate antidepressant um, effect, mm -hmm. um, and so doctors started, and because it's a legal substance, a doctor can administer it, and it's so-called off-label use. Yeah, uh, it means it was not intended for that. Yeah, but you can use it. Doctors in America, in Germany, started using it for uh, treating depression with actually extremely good success rates. And also, obviously, against um, addiction now. Like exactly. Yeah, that's, that's a little bit newer, yeah, mm -hmm. but it, it also shows great... Mm -hmm. uh, by the way, like all psychedelics, they have a very broad range. Addiction is... is mm -hmm. And by the way, the reason is, we believe that... Or one reason is that a lot of addiction is ultimately like a lot of mental illnesses rooted in trauma. Sure. So trauma yeah, causes pain and pain causes the flight uh, into addiction. So that might be the... Mm -hmm. so, so yes, mm -hmm. so it works very well. Um, but now come, can we come to the problem of, um, of sort of the pharma world? Yeah, because approving a drug can be very expensive. Um, and because ketamine was out of patent... It's a generic drug everybody can produce. Mm -hmm. Nobody wanted to put up the money to really prove that ketamine uh, is also antidepressant. So it stayed in the world of anecdotal evidence. So some doctors used it, yeah, uh, but not. It's actually a drug will never make it into the broad market if it's not really proven in a, because it has a higher liability for doctors whatsoever. Mm -hmm. And luckily, then. Um, they actually discovered a while ago that ketamine, uh, I, I put it, it's maybe not the perfect, my colleagues will, um, uh, will be mad at me, it's not the perfect, but it's the understandable, like the easy way to word it, ketamine consists of, of two subforms, the one they called R-ketamine and the other one S-ketamine. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, it was patent, these two drugs were, subforms were patentable. And, and so Johnson Johnson actually developed S-ketamine um, and got the approval some months ago as a depression drug. Yeah, and so actually at the moment there is a huge rollout happening in the US and actually at the end of next year it is expected that Johnson Johnson will bring S-ketamine to Europe mm -hmm. yeah, um, as an official, very well-functioning, very low side effect treatment uh, for depression. Mm -hmm. Wow. So, and I mean... We spoke about this Horizons conference in New York, and I mean, what materialized there, which also materialized as a subject a little bit in the dinner that we had, is that some people say, okay, now psychedelics always have to be related to a spiritual experience. Like, you take mushrooms, you take LSD, then you have the spiritual experience, and out of this will come your personal resolution or, or like your, your healing. But of course, now what's already happening is that um, what is this company I read about yesterday? Uh, Mindment. Uh, Mind, yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah, Mindment, yeah. I think that they already take ibogaine, which is like a very strong substance to cure also um, was it addiction. So that they immediately turn it into, let's say, without any further interference, into a medication and or like a, a medicine, basically, right? I mean, as far as I understood. And I mean, do you think that there always has to be a spiritual journey connected to a psychedelic experience? Okay, so let's dissect the question. So, so first of all, 
there are people trying, but this is in a very early stage, including actually my company, um, to or actually to find out if you can have the antidepressant effect without the, let's call it neutrally, and I come to the spiritual point again, the hallucinogenic mm-hmm. side of it. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't know, and that is so early that we're talking, if at all something comes out of that effort, in 10 years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so that this is very early. So I personally think at least for the trauma side of it, uh, which actually I think is is one of the main causes of many mental health illnesses, mm-hmm. the hallucinogenic, or as you call it, spiritual uh, journey during the trip is part of the healing process. Um, so why I'm so careful with the wording is because I'm, I would describe myself, I am very spiritual. I was that before and um, a psychedelic trip sort of um, um, uh, enhanced, uh, enhanced it. it. Yeah. Yeah. But we live in a world where immediately if you use religious terms, um, everybody has his own association. Yeah, yeah? That's true. And the interesting yeah. outcome is it will be different. I could say, and I, I say that with very uh, big joy, that I met God. Um, but it was different than I would have said, like the definition of God, or maybe different than the definition of God that the listeners of the podcast will now immediately have. So, so I personally, if I talk to friends about it or now in the podcast, yeah, I, I like to use the word the divine, yeah, because mm-hmm. it's okay. it's bigger and way more holistic than um, uh, than I think we all sort of um, think of of if at all if people are spiritual or religious of God. So but it's a very it's a very in, uh, individual and interestingly I would say I would say that way it's a mystical experience in the true definition of the word. So actually I did it myself I was like okay what does actually mystical mean and when I looked it up in the dictionary it said it's a it's a it's a spiritual experience which cannot put in words and that's exactly the issue. Yeah, I agree. Yeah it's it's uh, way larger than unfortunately what our human language um, is able to describe, yeah. which, by the way, is if you look at the, the historical context of psychedelics uh, and how they were used in religious ceremonies, but I think especially in the foundation of many religions, why all these prophets and and, and spiritual leaders had to talk in pictures. Yeah, um, I just read actually a great, very, very scientific and historical accurate article that uh, how the um, how the ancient uh, um, uh, Jews used psychedelics. And if you then read the Old Testament, the Torah, uh, you know, I would say, you most likely know what Moses had in uh, what he was on when he was looking at the burning bush. Yeah. And all the pictures and the trumpets or whatever. So, um, and um, yeah, so, so, and I think but I mean, also, I mean, I think what Amanda told me once, the, this thing that um, all the Greek philosophers we know, yeah. that they went to, what's it called? The Elysian Mysteries. And I'm, unfortunately, we are on a podcast and not because I would be very proud to show because I'm, a, I'm collecting ancient uh, artifacts. Okay. And I have a, an original, uh, de, the Elysian Mysteries were devoted to Demeter. Mm-hmm. Um, who was not just the, the goddess of harvest, but of the cycle of life. And twice a year at solstice, they were celebrating 
um, um, her legacy and mm -hmm. we're taking we know that because we have the cups so there are still cups with where uh, where we have traces of magic mushrooms in it so so the Elysian mysteries were the most famous um, a Greek um, um, psychedelic uh, cult uh, devoted to uh, uh, to Demeter. But it also means that somebody like Aristoteles... Yeah, and, and Plato, they were all going all there. All of so, them, sorry, right? So yeah. they were all going there yeah. and... Um, yeah. To experience and, and life and death in a weekend, and the cycle, basically. And the, exactly, yeah. And then just write about it, which is still kind of... I mean, the Aristoteles structure is no, still... No, or if you... I mean, my favorite poet is Rumi. Oh, oh yeah, so, okay, And if, again, if you read it, you know what he wants to tell you. So <laughs> okay, it's very interesting, like, and I... Um, yeah, okay. so... But that's, by the way, is, is, it's a pity because we have... Um, and you see it already in this podcast because I try to sort of... Um, so, so balance both sides because we are we living unfortunately in a world in a world where all these non scientific things are very um, people are not easy to talk about it which I think is a pity mm -hmm. yeah it's which true. I think by the way is one of the reasons why we're living in a depressed world mm -hmm. or in, in a world mm -hmm. full of mental health problems mm -hmm. because we're not my personal and let's leave science aside for a side because that's just a personal you can call it a theory or observation but if you there is a common denominator if you speak to people who have depression or anxiety mm -hmm. or, or or addiction which is rooted in mm -hmm. one so and my common denominator were three things I'm, I'm very convinced that humans need faith um, purpose and love. It sounds maybe cheesy. No, yeah? uh, no, but but and if you look, mm -hmm. so and faith. By the way, I don't want to make the argument because I will not be able to prove it, and nobody will if God exists or not. Everybody has this belief, but I think what we could, what we can say that the human mind or the human psychology seems to need something which is transcending our existence, or otherwise, let's let's look at the negative. I think. And I can say that for myself, um, I think we're, if we're honest to ourselves, which is already another problem because I think we're not trained or our society is not, um, is not, is, is not helping people to, to be self-aware. But if you say, so we're constantly afraid of, of death. Yeah. For mm -hmm. two reasons. Mm -hmm. We're afraid of dying ourselves because our ego is telling you that then this is the end and I don't want to end. But even worse, actually, is we're constantly afraid that our loved ones can die. Mm. Yeah, um, um, I'm an only child and I, I love my parents and I'm constantly afraid. Sure. That, and, yeah. if, and unfortunately, if it's a natural, if it's if it's like nature, natural, they will die before me. Yeah, and that's that's a constant terror in our brains and religion takes this at least partly away because it tells us there is death is not the end um, and so I think faith in any form is sort of reducing that permanent stress mm. yeah, on our brain soul or whatever you call it the second is purpose I think every human being deserves and needs a purpose in life mm. yeah mm -hmm. uh, again if you look at where the world is going at the moment um a lot of people, maybe subconsciously, but know that the job they're doing at the moment, yeah, 
might be gone in 10 years or, or even quicker tomorrow, yeah, or maybe. tomorrow. And I think this is stressing us yeah, out. Even if we're not actively realizing mm. that, yeah, our gut feeling tells us all that the world will be so different in some years maybe already. Well, it, I mean, you can see it in the last three years what happened. It's, it feels like the last three years feel like 10 years. Yes. Almost. So and I think this, so. that's another point. Yeah. I think this constant change, mm. we love it. Yeah, I think there is a small group of people, and I love it, who's love completely it fine with it. But I think there are a lot of people who are like, this is going too fast. Mm -hmm. But instead of uh, it slowing down, it's actually speeding up every year. And then the third point, maybe the most important one, is love. We need Uh, we need community, we need family, we need loved ones. And again, if you look in the world, what's happening is family structures falling apart, communities falling apart. So actually all the three things, faith, purpose and love, um, I think people need for a, for a healthy mind and soul is actually in the decline, at least in the Western world. And this is at least, I, I personally, again, this is not a... I, I would love to do a scientific study about it, but this is a personal observation. But I think that's one of the reasons why our world is um, um, is becoming so depressive. Mm. So, and, and how is the situation in Germany right now with the whole, let's say, I mean, decriminalization that is happening in America? It seems like very fast right now in a couple of states like Boulder, Colorado, but I mean, of course, like we know in America, it's always like once something starts, it goes pretty fast sometimes, but here, or let's say, how's the European situation yeah. maybe? Well, I think first of all, I'm, I'm sort of so, so personally on, on decriminalization. So to, 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 to define it. So, so there are three steps. So, uh, or three possibilities. So, so what, I think is the right way for psychedelics to be is becoming a medical treatment, as I said before, in hospitals with a professional guide, doctor, psychotherapist, mm -hmm. because they are so powerful that um, they, especially, by the way, for the ones who, who need healing because they have a, a mental illness, yeah, they, um, they need a guide, they need a, somebody guiding them through, yeah. So this is why, on the other side, I'm, I'm so positive on drugs that I think nobody should go to jail because he's found with magic mushrooms. So that's what is called decriminalized. Mm -hmm. So I think decriminalized is the right step. Mm -hmm. So it's meaning it's not legally available. So you still will need to go to your doctor. But if somebody would grow magic mushrooms at home, it's not a... It's Crime. not followed up, or it's actually not here. So, mm -hmm. so I, I, I think it would be the wrong way if the drugs became legal, like in some states, uh, cannabis became, because I think then the the potential for an abuse in another sense would be too high, or, or let's say the people who need it would not get the proper care this should come with, if it makes sense. So mm -hmm. I'm very. So this is a little bit my fear that it's almost going too fast. And that, and I hope to be self-aware that that it's a group of people um, um, driving it. And it's, you know, on the legalization side, it's people who who can afford it, who go to Burning Man, whatever, and they forget that there are hundred millions of people, yeah, who are not that, let's say, modern or open sure, for yeah. that stuff, yeah. but they want to go to their doctor. And uh, as an as an example, um, if you look at the Netherlands. It is legally 
or it's not literally, it's, it's a gray zone, but it's technically available in so-called coffee shops. Yeah, you can buy the, yeah. Yeah. yeah you can. But because it's not available in the medical system, mm. so it's, it's a parallel system, mm -hmm. so they have the same amount of depressive people uh, in, in a percentage like any other country in the Western world. So which is actually, for me, the most powerful individual number that it's so important to get it into the medical system mm -hmm. because there is where the people who are in need go to. Mm -hmm. So included in the Gesundheitssystem. Yes, in, in, Germany, in Germany. You, you, want, you want it yeah. to be administered again by mm -hmm. doctors, you want it paid by mm -hmm. the insurances, yeah, mm -hmm. uh, and that will be the way to get it to the people who really need it. Mm -hmm. and, and how do you think, I mean, I think that's what a lot of people are interested in, when do you think this will kind of start in let's say Europe, I mean, and England now, I guess, to defend. I think we're talking about <laughs> years. Years, yeah. right? So not months, mm. yeah, but I think a realistic time frame is very broadly spoken, two, two up to four years mm -hmm. till uh, the first two drugs which will be approved if all goes well and if the studies uh, show the results we expect them to show will be um, uh, psilocybin, so mm -hmm. the magic mushroom ingredient, which is uh, developed in my company, and the MDMA, which is developed by MAPS. So these will be the two first um, um, uh, drugs, and I, I would say it's two to four years till till they're available. Yeah. And you have again, you have ketamine, ketamine which is yeah. which is sort of as I it's sort of something it's a side drug or is it a side drug? It's, like a, it's not a hundred percent psychedelic, but it's like in that world and it's already available. Mm -hmm. yeah. And Of course, also, I mean, you could go, if, if somebody wants to research, it's probably a good idea to go on maps, right? And just... Yeah, they're very... I mean, you can go on our website, atai.life, A-T-A-I.life. Maps has a great website. Mm -hmm. So there are, there's research online, yeah. And again, Ketamine, um, if you Google Ketamine clinics, yeah, mm -hmm. in America, in mm -hmm. Germany, they, this is the legal available... I think um, in charity, it's yeah, already it's there, really right? Munich. But it's, it's in yeah. Germany. It's, again, it's, Germany, as you ask in Germany, it's always, I think, a little bit more conservative. Yeah, and sometimes mm -hmm. I think that's good. Sometimes I think that's bad in any form. Yeah, uh, but it's also like America has the um, as with a lot of uh, innovation the, has the lead. Uh, but on the other side, if I look at our our clinical trials, Europe is equally up to speed. Um, I mean, London, the yeah, Imperial College, yeah. right? I mean, they're very. They're one of the big players, you could yeah. say, in this new thing. Yeah, we're working. We're working very close with Imperial. Yeah, uh, great scientist Robin Card Harris. Um, yeah, so it's coming. It's like, and and we shouldn't rush it. Um, mm -hmm. I understand because, yeah, I had, as I told you, I had these very very positive personal experiences, um, and I think if you're an entrepreneur and if you if you have this level of of positive experience, you. On the one side, you want to rush it for positive reasons. You want people to have access to it. But if you then just look at how our world works, you need to do it thoroughly. Yeah. yeah? Because that's the only way to get it to really, I can always have it, the people who really need it. Yeah? Mm -hmm. um, uh, and not just a small group of people. But so, I think it's also a very, very powerful substance, whatever it is. Every substance is very powerful. And I mean, any kind of mixture with other things seem very 
I mean, like really not, absolutely not, no good idea whatsoever. No, that, that's another point, but that's like, and I'm not endorsing recreational use anyway, mm -hmm. but if anybody did do, hypothetically speaking, mm -hmm. which I think happens sometimes, yeah, uh, somewhere, uh, somewhere in the world, <laughs> if somebody does recreational use of these drugs, do not mix. I, again, I'm, I think we should stick to the science, and the great thing mm -hmm. is there is... Um, uh, for all of you listening, if you Google David Nutt chart, uh, David Nutt is a very, very famous um, scientist who, who developed a chart and looked at all the, the, the harm potential of drugs. Um, the shocking is that the number one harm potential or the, the, number, the number one most harmful drug, if you look at it, from all angles, what harm actually means, can you mm -hmm. die, can I, mm -hmm. is actually alcohol. Yeah. And the least harmful drug on that scale is magic mushrooms. So that we know. So we know psychedelics have low toxicity, zero addiction, but don't mix. We do not know what's happening when you take various drugs at the same time. So mm -hmm. I'm very scientific. You can Google, you can research psilocybin, you can research MDMA, you can research ketamine, you can research ayahuasca. Yeah, nobody knows what's happening. And why do it? I mean, I think these in, in individual drugs have, can have such a great experience. Don't, don't, yeah. go, the, don't go in uncharted territory. But one last question to ayahuasca, because, I mean, I feel in the last two years, I met so many people who, well, I was surprised they did it, but it seems like very, very, you could almost say like popular, but again where a lot of people just go to places where they really don't know where they're going to. And so, I mean, it seems like a, almost like a, like a, like a gambling situation in a way. Yes. And that is what we want to change. I Meaning there yeah. are great shamans. Ayahuasca, for my first definition, ayahuasca is a, a shamanistic ritual and drink, uh, mainly used in South America. Mm -hmm. Uh, which contains as the active ingredient, among other stuff, but the active psychedelic ingredient is a, is a drug called DMT, which is one of the strongest psychedelics. So an ayahuasca trip is really one of the strongest psychedelic trips you can have. Again, the early research, which is done with ayahuasca, um, attributes an enormous potential for healing trauma. So we're also looking as a tie into DMT, um, and it could be an incredibly valuable solution for a, a lot of people go to Latin America or South America for addiction problems whatsoever. Um, but because it is not legal today, um, you need to, there is no quality control. There are, and, and, and as in every sort of, let's say, industry or sector, there are good shamans, there are bad shamans, there are some who do it thoroughly. Yeah. So, and that's, And it's very expensive because you need to go to uh, South America. Mm -hmm. uh, yes, there are also shamans in, in the Western world, but like you need to pay yourself. Your healthcare insurance is not paying it. Yeah. So um, I can understand every person who says I, I'm suffering so much. Yeah. And and we know that the, the anecdotal evidence of ayahuasca is extremely good. Yeah. But I think for 99% of the people suffering. Again, they can't even afford it going to South mm. America. Mm. Yeah. Um, and, and nor do they know yeah, to which... Where to go. Where to go, to which yeah. one to trust. So, so we do hope. We're also working on, on DMT that mm -hmm. also 
practically the medical form of ayahuasca will be somewhere available mm-hmm. uh, within the Western approved healthcare system. Yeah, but it is a great and powerful drug. Yeah, um, I personally did it in a place where it's legal and uh, it's, it's very positive. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you. That was very um, informative for a lot of questions were answered, I think. For yes. a lot of people that are actually don't know where to... I mean, I mean, you can go on the internet, but I mean, as you know, there might be like 20 articles where you don't know who wrote them. So it's always have, uh, great to have uh, information from a more scientific-based source. I, th- I would say for the ones who want to dig deeper, the yeah. best, from my point of view, by far the best book, which did change the perception on psychedelics a lot. So um, I'm, I'm very grateful to this man. is Michael Pollan, uh, and his book is called How to Change Your Mind. He did the genius thing, and it's... It, It's easy to read and that's actually a genius of the mm-hmm. book because it's, it's very scientific. Yeah, uh, It goes very deep and at the same time it's a page turner. Yeah, um, it's, it's like a, a super, I mean it is a super exciting story but it's like he, yeah, he has this talent to write page turners in the science world. Um, and I think that's the, 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 where I would, for everyone yeah. who's interested in more, yeah, I would read uh, How to Change Your Mind. But also because he, he tried a couple of psychedelics where he talks about how he felt and without kind of writing raving reviews but just like very pros and cons in a very interesting way I feel right yes yeah Yeah. so that should be um, yeah I don't know if the podcast can be for Christmas but it should be the Christmas (laughs) present uh, of choice yeah or like the New Year's present I don't know (laughs) thank you so much Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.